Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver, coming to you live globally, 24-7 on 27 global audio and video platforms, platforms including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, and way too many more to even mention. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and the number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60, number two of caringvillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. <laughs> Dr. Mark Sims is the hearing loss physician and he helps patients to effectively treat their hearing loss so that, they can, so that they can connect better with their family and friends and remain independent. He's so passionate about helping patients because he lost his brother, Robbie, twice, first from his hearing loss from the radiation for his brain tumor, and again when he passed away. He only cares for ears. He is the ear of ENT, who has performed over 10,000 ear surgeries over the past 20 years. He has cared for tens of thousands of patients with hearing loss. He is the author of Listen Up and the host of Listen Up Podcasts. To learn more, go to listenuphearing.com. Uh, but before we get started with Dr. Mark, we want to uh, remind everybody about last week's show, The Plus Side of Older Dogs, How an Older Dog is a Win-Win Situation. Uh, Marion Zola has been a writer and animal lover. Her first writing was poetry until she began writing screenplays and sitcoms. Eventually, she wrote her first book, All the Good Ones Are Married, which <laughs> became a lifetime movie, along with the way she began producing with uh, a vampire movie. <laughs> and, and for the last few years, a show on shelter dogs entitled Shelter Me. And her second book is Romancing the Dog, The Struggle to Make a Pound Dog Happy in Beverly Hills. And just a reminder, all these shows, that one, and including the one we're doing today, will be on our archive page, our caregiverdave.com, and on all those uh, archive, and on all of the platforms that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Uh, Dr. Mark, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. So happy to have you on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, we appreciate you. Now, we'd like to take uh, the first question and ask our guest just who the heck is Dr. Mark Sims and why was he placed on this earth? Go ahead with that. Well, I mean, I'm a father, um, I'm a husband, and I'm a physician as well, so I'm very blessed. Um, my primary, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is take care of people with hearing loss and ear-related disorders, and it's my passion, and I've been very blessed to be able to do it uh, for quite some time, and I really love doing that work. It's a good answer. Um, would you? How long have you been in business? First of all, I've been in practice for over uh, so over twenty years. 
Okay. And how did you get into the business? I mean, well, so, I mean, I, you know, I wanted to do something to help people. So I became a physician. I do come from a medical family. Uh, My father was a physician. I have a brother who's a physician. Um, In terms of uh, ear, nose and throat. uh, The reason I went into ear, nose, throat is frankly, I kind of looked around at the different people and I was looking for people who seemed pretty happy with their practice of uh, medicine. And so one of the groups that I thought were really happy were the ear, nose and throat doctors. So I decided to go ahead into that. And as I was doing it, I wanted to be more specialized. And so I developed kind of a fascination and a curiosity about the ear and decided to um, go into ear only care. All of our listeners and viewers that we have on our show are caregivers and they're older, you know, let's face it. And the older we get, uh, we seem to be going into the direction of denial that there's anything wrong with our hearing. Um, I remember everyone had an aunt or an uncle that uh, just refused to believe that they can't hear. And every time you ask them a question, what, what, what'd you say? You know, and it, it became comical after a while, but uh, I never wanted to be that person. And, and of course, my wife always insinuates that I should check my hearing, which I have many times and it's fine because she says that I don't listen to her. And, and then, of course, there's the selective tuning out, right? Do you get a lot of that when a uh, husband and wife come in, doctor, and, and the wife insists that the, that the husband cannot hear her, but uh, you do the test and he can hear her perfectly? So uh, how do you handle situations like that? Well, that, that particular story, frankly, is exceptional. I mean, usually, frankly, uh, people's spouse is right. So most of the time, you uh, know, and with the distinction of the difference between listening and hearing. Um, So, you know, oftentimes you'll hear, but not listen. But I think the other is, is, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, if somebody said to you, well, you have high blood pressure and your answer would be, well, I don't have high blood pressure. It doesn't really matter if you think you have it, either you do or you don't. And that's based on a measurement. And so there's a reason why people don't, think they have hearing loss when they do in fact do it. And so the real reason is the brain is incredibly good at making up for hearing loss. It is very good (laughs) at compensating for. So the the two ways that your brain makes up for it, which makes it so why that aunt you referred to doesn't realize she's hearing loss because people think if they communicate effectively, they hear well, the reason you're able to continue to communicate despite hearing loss is first is with what we call speech reading, which is looking at people's face, mouth, and lips. So you can tell the difference between wife and wipe by looking at my face. And that's one of the reasons why people say, I don't hear as well when people wear masks. And it's really because they've lost all those facial expressions. Yeah. The second way that the brain figures out or overcomes hearing loss is with context. And that is once you know what the subject matter is, your brain automatically fills in the blanks, kind of like the autocorrect in texting where it figures out what it is. And that's why most people have problems with hearing at the beginning of a conversation. Once they, before they know what the context is, that's why when they're not tracking it, they'll wait a sentence or two and say, what or huh. And so people can have actually a substantial hearing loss and not realize it. And so the other thing I would say to people is, is how do you know what you don't hear? So if you really think about that, you don't know what you didn't hear. So it would be very difficult for you to know that you have a hearing loss. So 
those things that you're talking now, you're a little bit of a different that you keep on getting your hearing tested. I will tell you that is an exceptional circumstance. Most people whose wives or husbands say they have hearing loss, they do. Um, and you know what? There's the high pitch sounds and low pitch sounds. I will admit, um, and I think the uh, hearing, the audiologist uh, agreed with me, that when I'm in a, a crowded room, a noisy room, and someone is, is right at my table, and they're, they're, I've got to really lean in and turn my ear so that, you know, that's the first thing that, and I still have trouble hearing them because there's so much background noise. So does that mean I'm missing the high pitch stuff or the low pitch stuff? Or what do you recommend for someone like me? Well, so there's two things. Most hearing loss, the hearing loss of aging, which we call presbycusis, you lose the high pitch sounds before you lose the low pitch sounds. And so vowels, A, E, I, O, and U tend to be low pitched and consonants, the softer parts of words, the parts of words that give the meaning tend to be high pitched. So I tell people when you have that type of hearing loss, your brain is continually playing wheel of fortune, right? Because you can get, you, you can buy a vowel, but you can't, but you have to guess the consonants. And so that actually is one of the reasons that hearing loss ties into dementia. But what you're talking about is the difficulty of hearing in background noise. And so everybody has problems in background noise. People with hearing loss have more problems in background noise. And so the concept of background noise is what we call the signal to noise ratio. So signals, what you want to hear and noise is the background noise. So when the signal's high, the signal's high and the noise is low, you can pull out the signal when they both become about the same, your brain cannot discern between the two. And the reason you're leaning in is you're trying to get any little pieces of information to get discern what that person's saying. And that's why you'll lean in and look at their lips or lean in and try to get the pieces. The other thing, which I think you're referring to, which is the thing that people don't realize is restaurants are purposefully made loud. So the, well, the clanging of the dishes and the, no, the they sell food, they don't sell conversation. <laughs> so the way you flip tables is you make it difficult to converse. So people eat and leave. So if you go into some of these high turnover restaurants, even in the middle of the day, you'll see that they're loud, even when there's nobody there. So some of the restaurants actually pipe in sound to make it so you eat quicker and leave. So restaurants are highly unfavorable. If you look, they've got reflective services, glass, cement, marble, all these hard surfaces bounce the sound around and that's on purpose. Oh, so what would you recommend for someone like me so that I can hear better uh, amidst uh, background noise or is the outdoors <laughs> put your back to the wall, right? Or pick, pick areas, things that are not loud environments. So what, what type of, well, I don't need a hearing aid then, right? That's not going to help me hear better. Well, we'd have to see what your hearing is, right? And so if, if the report that the audiologist says it's totally normal, because uh, some of my colleagues will say, you have a little bit of hearing loss, but you don't need to do anything about it. And I would challenge them because I'm not sure what a little bit of high blood pressure is. Um, so that's a side conversation. But, you know, there are favorable environments, restaurants that have carpet, wallpaper, booths, tablecloths, drapes, those things all drown out the sound. Now, the things I've mentioned to you, unfortunately, tend to be the higher priced restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. So the restaurants that make more per seating don't 
flip the tables like the restaurants that are so price point sometimes brings you quiet yeah very interesting um what would you recommend for um uh my aunt joan for example she um she has this hearing aid that was um put together from her because hearing aids are getting more and more expensive aren't they they're getting more and more high tech they're getting smaller and smaller and i mean it's it's not unlikely uh unusual for a hearing aid to cost 5 or 10,000, dollars right? Well, what i would tell you is is no, i don't think hearing aids cost that much. I think hearing care might cost that much. Mm. So, perhaps the difference between going to Home Depot and ordering all of the materials and having it dumped on your lot and telling you you have a home or <laughs> taking those materials and putting them all together with carpenters and tradesmen and actually building you a home. So, the hearing aid itself is not i mean they're relatively the same price good hearing care is is expensive because you've got people who have to be high quality i think one of the problems is which might be the case for your aunt there's a substantial number of people who pay a lot of money and don't get good hearing care and that's actually kind of the passion of my message is there's a difference between getting a hearing aid and getting your hearing loss well treated and there's some yeah. steps to get your hearing loss well treated Well, we moved her from Kaiser over to Scan and uh Scan now covers the audiologist. So, is that um typical that her um an HMO will will cover uh, a hearing aid? Uh some insurances do, some insurances don't, but again, you know, kind of circling back, covering a hearing aid doesn't matter. Getting, you know, I mean, I can give you any device if it's not appropriately you know if i handed you a violin that doesn't make you a violinist right you need yeah. to know actually how to play it so if the insurance provides people who don't know how to play violins a bunch of violins that's not very helpful and by the same example if the insurance gives you hearing aids but they're not appropriately adjusted and fitted and programmed and have a prescription that appropriately treats your hearing loss it's not a very useful thing and that's actually why i think a lot of people who have gone pursued hearing care and gotten hearing aids not got their hearing loss well treated give a bad rap to hearing aids if mm. that makes sense yeah well, there um, are a lot of people that just don't want to wear their hearing aids um well there's reasons for that though because yeah. um they're typically not adjusted correctly to give them the appropriate amount of uh rehabilitation that they need. So if you wear something and it doesn't give you benefit, you won't wear it. So for instance, if you had glasses that actually didn't correct your vision, you just stop wearing them. And so what happens is is people have hearing aids that don't actually appropriately treat their hearing loss. And unfortunately, that is the rule, not the exception. See, I I know a lot of people complain about ambient noise when they're wearing a hearing aid. Well, that's very common for two reasons. First off, the hearing the hearing technology might very commonly be maladjusted. In other words, it's not appropriately programmed or given the appropriate prescription. That is very common. The second is is uh, a lot of people are not consistent wearers of hearing aids. And so 
your brain has not heard a lot of these sounds for quite some time, and it has to learn how to refilter those sounds. So people should wear their hearing uh, technology all day, every day, and it will take you several months for your brain to adapt. So I have patients who come and say, well, I put my hearing aids in when I need them. Well, you need them all the time for your brain to get the information that it needs mm-hmm. for it to be able to process. So you hear, you detect sound with your ears, you hear and understand with your ears and your brain. So mm-hmm. it's not just an ear treatment, it's a brain treatment. And we've all met that person who has a hearing aid and they're always whistling and fiddling. Yeah. It's only high pitched sounds. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can hear that. Can't you? You know, well, so no, what's going on there? Their hearing losses, but fundamentally, one of the things that leads to feedback is when the sound comes out of the speaker, which is in the ear canal, and then goes back to the microphone, and then it creates feedback or whistling, which is similar. If you remember, maybe in you went to a grade school and the principal came in front of the microphone and spoke and it whistled. It's yeah. the same concept. And that typically means either the hearing aid is not appropriately physically fitted. So whether or not the ear canal is open, partially blocked, or fully blocked determines whether or not you will get feedback. And the other issue is, is sometimes the hearing aid is not giving them enough and it's been turned up beyond its limits yeah. and is causing that. So again, those are typically signs of not appropriately treated hearing loss. And yeah. so you think it's just a malfunction on their part, they don't realize it's actually, sadly, that's a person who's gotten their hearing loss treated and is perhaps not getting their hearing loss appropriately treated. Now, when when someone is on the telephone mm-hmm. and they're getting feedback, is that something that can be adjusted properly? It can. There, there's devices in hearing aids that can can determine whether or not they're near a, a telephone and turn into a different mode. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's very common for there to be Bluetooth connectivity. And right. So you can stream your phone to your hearing technology and avoid those uh, types of things. So um, one of the things that's, uh, you know, um, FaceTime audio on the Apple platform actually is a much more, uh, has a lot more information in it than a typical Mm -hmm. phone call. And so some people will do a lot better with a FaceTime audio call than they will with a cell phone or a landline call. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what are the steps to effectively uh, treat your hearing loss? I mean, should we go about it? uh, Sure. Sure. Strategy, right? You don't. Right. right. So the the first step is um, this is a medical problem. Right. And so medical problems should be monitored and followed. So I kind of divide the world into two places. I divide them into the sellers of hearing aids and the treaters of hearing loss, if that makes sense. And so when you go to a seller of hearing aid, a seller of hearing aid will tell you, here's your hearing aid. Come back and see me if you need me. Or they'll give you three visits and say, come back and see me if you need me. That should be a red flag to people. If your primary care doctor was treating your high blood pressure and said, hey, here's a blood pressure pill, come back and see me if you need me, you'd be like, really? Mm -hmm. And so if this is a medical problem, which it is, then medical problems should be followed and monitored. So this concept that, oh, I've had the sale, I've given you what you think you need, and I'm not going to follow you any longer is a sure sign of somebody who's not treating hearing loss. 
they're selling hearing aids. And I tell people, if you want to buy hearing aids, then shop for the cheapest price because what they take out is the service. So you should go to the same place where you buy neat trash bags and toilet paper in bulk and go ahead and pick up a flat screen TV because those are where you can have people who sell hearing aids. So that's the first. The second is many sellers of hearing aids will tell you they give you the top of the line. They say they give everybody the top of the line. And I tell patients, no, no, that's not what you need. You need them to actually ask you questions about what your hearing need is. So for instance, somebody who lives in an assisted living facility that's quiet, whose family comes to see them once every two months, does not need the same hearing technology as somebody who's in high level meetings and wants their cell phone to stream to their technology. If you do not get asked that, you will get kind of a one size fits all approach. So if you went to the car dealer and you had a family of five, but the car dealer said, well, we just give everybody the two seat convertible. It's not gonna work, right? So we're used to people who actually find out what you need, not, well, we just give everybody what is called the top of the line. So that's the second. The third was something you were alluding to, Dave, and that is, the physical configuration of the device matters. So the speaker's always here. Sometimes the microphone's in your ear canal. Sometimes the microphone's above your ear canal. Sometimes your ear canal's open. Sometimes it's partially blocked and sometimes it's, it's totally blocked. All of those things affect performance. Again, if you're a seller of hearing aid, what they do is they give everybody the same physical configuration without consideration of their hearing loss. And when we look at hearing aids from elsewhere, we see two out of three of them are not appropriately configured to treat people's hearing loss. And that's profound. And that's why you'll say, oh, I know somebody who pushes on it or whistles or something like that. And I feel bad for those people because they try to do something about their hearing loss and it fell short. The next step, which is really important and hard for people to understand is you need a custom prescription in your hearing device, okay? What do I mean by that? You need the person who's actually adjusting your hearing technology to appropriately configure it for you, okay? Now, the companies that make these hearing devices will give an algorithm or a program where I could take your hearing test and I could punch it into the computer and it will generate what I call a generic prescription, That generic prescription is for the generic ear, generic length ear canal, generic circumference ear canal, generic width ear canal, and generic shaped ear canal. Now, I've looked at tens of thousands of ears, and I don't know if I've ever looked at that generic ear canal. (laughs) But let's talk about plumbing, okay? So if you have a pipe this big with water going through it, and you now make it this big, we all know the water will go slower. If you make it this big, the water will go faster. So the size of the pipe determines the flow of the water. The size of your ear canal determines the flow of the sound. That's why you need a custom prescription. So here's the shocker. 90% of hearing aids have generic prescriptions. One out of 10 does not. So that's why people like you'll say, well, I have three friends with hearing aids. One got them and returned them. The second doesn't wear them. They're in the nightstand drawer. The third wears them and they don't help them. Well, if everybody's getting generic prescriptions, it's no wonder. And so the fifth step is a real important one. I talked to you about the hearing loss of aging, that people lose high tone hearing before they lose low tone hearing. 
Okay. So if I took a hearing aid and I'm a one and done seller of hearing aids, I would automatically give you a prescription that totally treated your hearing loss. Then you will put it in your ears and you will say, these are too loud and they're too tinny. And I don't like them in background noise, exactly what you're referring to. The reason is the brain is not used to that information. The way you get the brain used to that is you gradually increase the prescription as your brain adapts to that over the several months. That's why you can't be one and done. So guess how the manufacturers have solved that? Oh. In the generic prescriptions, they just cut off the high tones. They don't give you the high tones that you need. So it's more comfortable because they want you to keep the hearing aid. So you not only is the generic prescription generic, it clips off the high tones, which is exactly where you need better hearing. So another reason why people do not like hearing aids. And then the last step is very similar to high blood pressure. What your expectation is for high blood pressure is this. I expect my doctor to measure it, treat it, and then verify to me, verify to them and validate to me that my blood pressure is treated. You can have the same thing done with your hearing aid. You put a microphone in your ear, you put your hearing technology on your ear, you measure that your hearing technology with your prescription in your ear treats your hearing loss. There are ways to validate it. So you should get it validated. And if you follow the six steps, you will have your hearing loss appropriately treated. So the last thing I'll tell you, and this really ties into the stuff of your podcast, the reason we treat high blood pressure is over the long-term untreated high blood pressure is associated with heart attack. The heart pumping against it has a heart attack. Over the long-term untreated or poorly treated hearing loss is associated with higher incidence of memory problems and dementia. And that's because that? all that all of that extra processing that I talked about. Mm. So the reason you should treat your hearing loss, prevent memory problems and dementia. The reason you treat your high blood pressure, prevent heart attack. So it's not just a, oh, I annoy my wife. If you have hearing loss and even a little bit of hearing loss, just like a little bit of high blood pressure, it should be appropriately treated. Yeah. Now, every community has what I would call this huge audiology complex where they send this big, huge postcard out in, uh, in the mail and uh, they just come on in for a free uh, evaluation and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's how I found this guy because, I mean, who knows an audiologist, right? But uh, mm -hmm. they keep sending in these postcards and say, well, maybe I'll try that one. Um, is that the best place to, because you talk about sellers <laughs> of hearing aids, is right. that the best place to go to to find an audiologist or do you recommend finding an audiologist that doesn't necessarily have this big showroom with every single kind of hearing aid that you can imagine? Well, I guess I would, um, I, I like using home repair as an analogy. And so how do you get somebody who's going to do some very important work on your home? Usually word of mouth, right? You ask somebody, did you get this done? Do you know somebody who does this? I think that that's much more important than, I mean, maybe on occasion, you know, if you needed, I don't know, a cabinet, a carpenter to fix something in your home, you might use a postcard that comes to your house. Um, but the reality is you'd probably ask somebody, you know, who knows those people, those cards come based on demographics. Once you're over a certain age, 
And in a certain economic demographic, certain companies that market to those people um, will send you the postcards. And they're typically going to offer you a sale or a an emphasis on the technology. If somebody's message is we're emphasizers of care, I think you should go to them more likely than somebody says, we're going to give you two pairs for X amount of dollars. But there are lots of people that, uh, at least in New York, there are lots of people who offer a free assessment. Okay. Well, I mean, the assessment is the assessment, right? And so, you know, I, I think there's a difference between a hearing screening and a comprehensive um, audiologic evaluation. So, you know, in the context of what we do, so, I mean, I don't um, fit, dispense and program hearing aids, but I have people within my organization that do. So mm-hmm. if, for instance, in an ear, nose and throat office, you're going to have somebody who can take care of the medical side of it. You're going to have somebody who's going to take care of the audiologic side. So that perhaps makes more sense from a context than somebody who just sells hearing aids. But you know, the sellers of hearing aids, because they're going to just tell you, all they're really doing is providing you with that physical object called mm-hmm. a hearing aid. And they'll emphasize features typically over benefits, if that makes sense, right? So they're going to tell you Bluetooth, you know, rechargeable batteries. Those things matter. But the real thing that matters is the outcome. Mm-hmm. So when you read my intro, I said what I'm, what I'm passionate about and other people are passionate about is maintaining your independence and staying better connected to your friends and family. That to me is much more important than rechargeable batteries. Yeah. Tell me again how dementia and hearing loss are related because here I'm thinking about my Aunt Joan and this dementia just came upon her kind of quickly. Um, Is there any reversal? um, Will improving her hearing? Pardon? Yes, the evidence. So the, 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 the connection, so there's the... Statistical connection can be done through large studies showing people who haven't treated their hearing loss that there's an association or predisposition. The mechanisms are multiple. There's multiple theories, but you know there's probably two big ones that people talk about. One is social isolation. As you have hearing loss, you become less connected, and social isolation is um, associated with cog- cognitive decline. So one of the things I tell people is. Uh, hearing loss is like baseball, but harder. What do I mean by that? Baseball, you get three strikes and hearing loss, you get two strikes. And this will be familiar to you. Somebody says something, you say something to something to somebody, they say, huh? You say it again, they say what? And then you say, forget it. I'm not going to repeat it. So you get two strikes. Each time that happens, you're becoming a little less and less connected, right? And so eventually people go from being the life of the party to not even wanting to attend the party, right? Mm. That, And so that's one. The second is the concept of cognitive load. So what I was telling you is in the beginning that your brain makes up for your hearing loss. You don't just throw up your hands and say, I'm not going to communicate. You speech read and you use context to make up for it. That's a higher cognitive load than people who just hear. And so the thinking is that also affects it. So if you treat your hearing loss, one there, you would, it would suggest that you can prevent dementia, but there are studies that are preliminarily demonstrating that you can reverse some of the effects of dementia by treating your hearing loss. And so one of the things that's fascinating, you're not dealing with this population, but when kids have speech delay, meaning they don't develop normal speech and language, the first thing people do is they send them for a hearing test. Mm -hmm. If you can't hear, you can't develop language. 
I would suggest to you, if somebody's developing cognitive problems, the first thing you actually should do is go and get a hearing test to see, because it's hard to answer cognitive questions that you're going to use as a screening for cognitive function if you actually can't understand the questions well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but, amazing how fast the time is going. Uh, I, I have one question. How do you find a good audiologist? Word of mouth, I think. And some of the things I talked about. So asking them how they verify that your hearing loss is treated. So there's a thing called real ear measurement where you put that microphone in your ear. Everybody should have that. Okay. And not just have the machine. Mm -hmm. It only works if you use it. Yeah. Some people will have it, but not use it regularly in their practice. So what's the best strategy of a caregiver convincing their loved one that they need to get their hearing checked? I think there are a couple of things. I think one is a a real uh, sincere, non-threatening conversation about the impacts of the hearing loss on the person with hearing loss. So what we typically emphasize is the impact of the hearing loss on us, not on them. Mm -hmm. The impacts on me are, I'm tired of repeating myself, go get a hearing aid, you have hearing loss, why don't you treat it? The impacts on them are is, you know, you used to be able to have conversations more easily and now you're being cut out of them because other people won't do it. Your grandchildren say you have a hearing loss and they avoid conversations with you. You used to like to go to cocktail parties and now you don't want to go as much. You're not as vibrant and connected a person as you used to be. Why don't we both go and get our hearing checked? Worst case scenario, we both have normal hearing. Yeah. Or best case scenario. So what's the best way to get a hold of your book and what do you hope your book will do for people who read it? So it, you can go to listenuphearing.com and get a, a copy or you can go to Amazon and get a copy. I mean, fundamentally, the things I've just told you about are my passion for people to understand that treating hearing loss is what matters, not getting hearing aids. And so I see that as... Um, Uh, you know, a grassroots person by person thing to do. And hopefully by pushing the hearing loss community to do a better job, I'll be able to help elevate the overall treatment Mm -hmm. of hearing care. I mean, you know, it's interesting, you know, what, how would we think if somebody said you had high blood pressure and didn't treat it? So if you start thinking in those terms, it's terrible that 90% of people have generic programs only 20% of people actually treat their hearing loss. So 80% of people have a treatable hearing loss aren't treating it. So there are more people becoming needing hearing treatment than are getting it treated. Well, is there anything that I uh, failed to ask you that you were hoping that I would ask you? No, this has been great. I really this up. Conversation. Hopefully it's uh, of great benefit to your audience. Oh, I'm sure it will be. I learned a lot. <laughs> Yeah, how's your how's your hearing, Adrian? I have hearing aids. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> See? Well, that might suggest they're at least pretty well adjusted because you don't know she has a hearing loss. <laughs> See, now they're not visible, and uh, so that means because I don't I'm see very them. Very vain. Well, so the the interesting thing is, is that is one objection. People say, "Well, I don't want people to see that I have hearing aids," and what I always tell them is, they already see your hearing loss. If you don't think people know you have it, you're, you're wrong. And so the real way to make it is to just like you are, right? Like you have them and he doesn't even know them. How often are you guys on podcasts together? 
Every week. Every week. Think about that. And so you, it's, it's actually less visible when you've tra- treated it than if you had. Because if you were saying what and huh to him and me, then he'd say, hey, you know what? I think you have hearing loss. So ironically, hearing loss is less apparent when it's treated than when it's not treated. Yeah, and I never hear that high-pitched sound, so she must be doing something right. <laughs> well, or you have yeah. a hearing loss. Do you have that little tiny one that goes deep down into your canal? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then some are really big and bulky, aren't they? Or they don't use yeah. that one. Do with the extent of your hearing loss. And that's why I say it needs to be appropriately physically fitted. So getting tiny little pretty hearing aids that don't give you the volume you need, it's right. not helpful. So that is part of the conversation. I mean, look, you know, my children do not want, you know, shots when they go to the doctor and they don't want blood draws. They don't get it because they want it. They get it because that's what they need for their health care. And so it's interesting. I, I ask this all the time. I say, what if your, you know, 12 year old child said they didn't want to go get their, their shot. And most people say, I, I tell them they have to get it. I said, so why now that you're an adult and you need hearing aids, are you not doing the same? It's like, Having the car keys taken away. It's an admission that you're getting older and that well, you're mortal. Understood. But, you know, interestingly, if you have hearing loss, you know, you know, the way you lose independence is, you know, your kid comes into town, your child, your adult child comes into town and they go, you know, mom and dad are, they're just not as quite with it. I think we need to send them over to somewhere. So if you want to maintain your independence, be connected, be able to answer. I mean, the biggest threat to people's independence or a big threat is hearing loss, untreated hearing loss, because people don't think you understand what's going on. And as you know, that's where you end up in a care facility because you're not oriented and you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have any, any criticism of your hearing aids or are they working perfectly, Adrian? Me? So far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> good. In a couple of years. Yeah. Well, he paid you a good compliment that uh, <laughs> if I don't know you got him, then you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, thank and you, doctor, I, so I much. I chose to do it myself. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. And uh, how can people get a hold of you, your email? or? Uh, yeah, they can, you can contact, there's contact form on the um, uh, website, www.listenuphearing.com. They can find it all there. Very good. Thank you again for coming on the show. And just a reminder that All our shows will become recorded podcasts. Go to caregiverdave.com and you can listen to our show that has gone into the archives. For everyone else who has tuned in and has helped us to become the number one caregiver podcast each and every week, we thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time. Same time, same channel. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank you. We are a community of caregivers understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. 
you can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Keep breathing, take it in and let it out. Keep breathing, it's gonna be okay. Don't